today's Palm Sunday, right? This is the Sunday that we remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem for what would be his last week with his disciples. He rode in, he rode in as a king, singing just like we, we sang this morning with the band when the people were there and they shouted his arrival and they sang Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. In fact, the crowd was so rambunctious that the religious leaders that were kind of party poopers, they, they were there and they were like, Jesus, can you tell everybody to keep it down? They're too loud. And you got to imagine Jesus just kind of rolling his eyes. He's like, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? They're celebrating the arrival of the great king. In fact, Jesus said, if I tell them to be quiet, he said, even the rocks, there's so much celebrating that needs to be done. This is such a powerful moment that even the rocks would cry out. You see, this week we remember that Jesus rode in as a king. Even though he knew the beatings and the torture, the thirst, and the ultimate death that would come. Let me ask you this. If you knew ahead of time of all the troubles and the trials and the heartache that a portion of your life would bring, would you still go through with it? Like, would you still do it? If you knew what was ahead, if you could, if you could somehow see into the future, you could somehow see, you know, this project that's coming up or this big event that's coming up, if you could see the next week or the next month and you knew it was going to be difficult, would you still do it? You know, I, I, don't, I, I know I've told you this before, but in case you're new, um, Shannon loves taking projects on at our home. And in the beginning of the project, just like any home renovation, it all sounds great, right? Um, Shannon's done all her research. She has a good plan. She's got some good muscle for me. Like, it's, it's good, okay? <laughs> I heard a couple of groans down front. It's good muscle, okay? But every project has some kinks, like putting in a fence. We ripped up the uh, water sprinkler system. Well, I ripped up the water sprinkler system by accident. Putting in a new sink took like a kajillion trips to Home Depot. Putting in, putting in, this was, ooh, this was one of the tough ones. Putting in the hardwood floors, I turned around and I knocked over a full bucket of green paint on brand new hardwood floors. And let me tell you, friends, if your marriage can survive that, it's got a chance. But our current project, the one that we've been in, has been this bathroom renovation that's been going on for about a year now. And have you ever started something that you just kind of like, is it ever going to get, you know, are we going to get finished? Is there, is there going to be, you know, I can't even see the finish line. I just don't know. Now, in Shannon's defense, she has ripped out an entire shower and she installed a brand new shower all on her own. And you know what I did? I stayed out of her way. That's what I did. I know my place. But there will come a day when she finally is able to put that last piece in place. And there will come a cry of victory where she will probably raise her hands and look up to heaven and say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it is done. I am finished. And you know what that's like. We all know what that's like. To have a huge project or, or this huge whatever it is that's in our life Right? And we get to that point where we've worked through all these things and we, we finally get to the end and we're able to say, it's finished. And even though we didn't really know how long it would take and all the twists and turns that would happen, but we finally get to that point of this amazing victory. You see, at his very end, after enduring everything that the Romans could throw at Jesus, Jesus cried out words of victory when he says, it is finished. 
You see, but the difference is, like I said before, the difference is Jesus knew what was ahead. He knew the beating that was coming. He knew the the crown of thorns. He knew that he would be whipped 39 times with a tortured instrument. He knew that he would have to carry that crossbeam up the hill. And even through all of that, when it looked like all hope was lost, just before breathing his last, He said these words of victory. You see, we've been in this series now called Cross Reference. And what we're doing is, as we journey towards Easter, we're referencing the cross, and we're looking at the last words that Jesus spoke. What did he say, and what did it mean? What did it mean for the people that were standing around the cross who heard him then? And what does it mean for us today as we look back on some of Jesus' final words? And in John chapter 19, we read these final moments. And the last words of Christ just before he died. And it says this, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And we talked about this. So a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head. And he released his spirit. Hearing Jesus say these words from the foot of the cross, it probably meant different things for different people. For the disciples hearing Jesus, if those that were standing around, if John, who was standing by the cross, if he heard Jesus say it is finished, might have meant for the disciples that all their hopes were now done, were gone. For the Romans, it is finished might have meant that these antics of the so-called Messiah, the one that's been saying that he's a king, all these other people have been glorifying, finally all that has come to an end. For Satan, who is watching intently, it is finished, might have meant to him that finally the Son of God had been destroyed. There's a lot of different things that this phrase could have meant to the people who heard it. But what, what did it mean for Jesus? Because Jesus didn't say, I am finished. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, it is finished. So what is it is finished? What, what is that phrase, that, that, that phrase of victory? Like, what does that mean for us? Well, for starters, obviously, the pain, the humiliation, the grief, everything that he had to endure in the week that's coming ahead, that we're going to be thinking about this week, everything that he had to go through, it's all done. He's at the finish line. But it's not just that. It means so much more. So today, as as we look forward to Easter next Sunday, what I want to do is I want to look at this statement of victory, and I want to talk about what it means. And I want to use the book of Romans to kind of flesh this out a little bit. So we're going to jump around in the book of Romans this morning, and it's going to help us understand why it is finished is really a cry of victory. So let's talk about this. If you got your message notes open, you can open those up on the Ridge app. For those of you that are online, we're so glad that you're with us. You can find it on the Ridge app, and you can follow along with us. But let's fill in some blanks. Number one, when Jesus gives this cry of victory, what does it mean? It means, number one, that Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Okay? And I talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to bring it up again. Okay? And I I want to flesh this out. I want to tease this out just a little bit more. In the book of Romans, Paul reminds the church that Jesus came 
The reason that Jesus came was to serve us by dying on the cross. And Paul basically, when he's writing the book of Romans, when he's writing all of his letters, he says, you know what, this shouldn't surprise us because this is everything that Scripture has been leading to. This is everything that God has been preparing for us. And this is what he says in Romans 15, 4. He says, such things were written in the Scripture, all these things we've been teaching, talking about when it comes to Christ. Such things were written in the Scripture long ago. Hundreds and thousands of years ago, and they were written to teach us. And the scripture that is there, it gives us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled, that Jesus Christ will come again. You see, all the prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus, it all told us who he was. He told us what he would do and why he was coming and all those references that we talked about, they all came true. Even, even down to the little details of having a drink. You remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Even how Jesus asked for a drink, how it was given to him, what he drank. All of that is just a tiny detail in the Old Testament that proves to us and shows to us that Jesus was the Messiah. And all these things just kind of stacked up and they were building and building and building and building for this final statement of victory that comes through Jesus. In fact, there's this great moment where Jesus is walking on the road after the resurrection. And he runs into these two guys. And maybe you've heard this story of the road to Emmaus. And he's walking around with these two guys and walking in their direction. And he looks at them and he can tell that they're upset. And he says, why are you so down? What's going on? Why are you so upset? And they look at Jesus and they're like, don't you know? Don't you know what's happened? And it's obvious when Jesus is telling this story that, that they don't understand or they don't know who Jesus is in this moment. Okay, they don't understand the resurrected Jesus is actually with them, which tells us there's a couple of stories that, that shows us that Jesus' resurrected body looks a little bit different. So they didn't recognize who they were talking to, and so they looked at Jesus and they said, haven't you heard? Don't you know they've killed Jesus? He's no longer here. And Jesus looks at them and basically he says, don't you get it? Like, don't you understand and here's what the story says in Luke 24. He says to these guys, why can't you understand? How can you be so slow to believe all the prophets have said? Didn't you know that the Messiah would have to suffer before he was given his glory? And then Jesus goes on to explain everything written about him in the scriptures, beginning with the law of Moses and the book of the prophets. And while they walk, Jesus is just teaching them. And he's unpacking scripture. And he's like, listen, this is what the prophets talked about. And this is everything, all beginning back with Moses. And it's just been building and building and building. And it's been pointing to this, to this moment of a death and a resurrection. And these guys that are walking with him, they're just soaking it all in. And they don't realize who they're talking to until they're sitting down and they break bread. That, 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 that symbolism of communion. And when they break bread, their eyes are open and they realize that they've been talking to Jesus the whole time. You see, when Jesus says, it is finished, one thing it meant is that all the prophecies, all the promises, the promises... The promises to deal with sin. The promises to get rid of the sin in our life. The promise for eternity. All those things that scripture pointed to that said was coming was done. It was all accomplished. 
The second thing, let's go back to this again, that Jesus satisfied the law and paid my penalty. In Romans 8, we find Jesus, it talks about this, Jesus satisfying the requirement of the law in verse 3. In Romans 8, it says, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And he did this so the just requirement of the law would be truly and fully satisfied for us. What does this mean? The just requirement of the law would be satisfied. You know what that means? Here's the deal. To be honest, our penalty deserves death. Okay, plain and simple. That's it. All of us have sinned. All of us in this room are sinners. We've all sinned at one time. Even your preacher, I know I look like a saint, don't I? I'm not perfect. I've had my moments, right? And because of that, there's a penalty that has to be paid. You you see, we tend to think of the Ten Commandments, and we tend to think of God's law as those rules and and guidelines for life to help us live a better life, which is true. Like, they're all there, and if we follow them, we will be more blessed in life when we live into God's law, when we live in His rules. But you know what else Scripture says? That the Ten Commandments were given to show us just how messed up we are. Just how many times we fall flat that we sin, that we're not perfect. In fact, the only one who was perfect and did not sin was the one who died to remove the sin from our lives. You see, Jesus made it possible for you and me, again, to be in the presence of a holy God. Even with all our sin, even with all our mistakes, our debt that we have, our debt is paid in full. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to go to a soft opening for a restaurant. I don't know if you've ever been to a soft opening before. And I remember the first time somebody invited me to a soft opening. Um, This is just where the restaurant kind of opens their doors for practice. So they practice everything for the first time, serving the food and making the food and ringing up the food and all this. So I went as a favor to a friend. And, you know, we, we sat there and we had a great meal. And then afterwards, I got my ticket and I took it up to the front. And they looked at me when I gave the ticket. I didn't know what to expect, so I gave them the ticket, and they looked back at me, and they said, thank you. Your bill has been paid for. And I was like, for real? And they said, yeah. I said, can I get a to-go order then? (laughs) I just said, I didn't do that. (laughs) I didn't push it. (laughs) But all the damage that I had done from all the, the burgers and the fries and lots and lots of Diet Coke, anybody that's had a meal with me knows that I drink way too much, all that, all of it, My debt, my bill had been paid. That's just a silly example. But y'all, Jesus has paid my debt. He died for all the damage that I've done in life. To myself, to others. To everything that I've done that deserves payment. He loved me enough. He loves you enough to pay that price for you. It's amazing to think that our sin deserves death. That's what Scripture says. We don't, get, we don't deserve to be in the presence of a holy God, not with what we've done. And yet Jesus, the God of this universe, the one that created everything, the Alpha and the Omega, not only does he know you by name, not only did he create you, but he loved you enough to send Jesus to pay your debt. Even if it was only you and you were the only person on this earth, he would have paid that debt. And that's overwhelming when you think about it. 
So when Jesus says, it is finished, what he's saying is that if we believe in him and we accept his love and what he has done for us, that we're free from the penalty of all that debt, of all that sin that would keep us away from God. We're now freed up to be in a relationship with God and to serve him faithfully. And then the last thing I'd say with it is finished is that Jesus, in this statement, he conquers sin, death, and Satan. And I'm just going to wrap all these up together. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. That's what we've been talking about. That's what we deserve. That's what we've earned. That's the debt that we have. But the free gift of God when we accept him is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we get. This is all grace. And Jesus conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered Satan through the resurrection. He conquered that hold that sin has on our lives. Now, that's not to say that we won't ever sin again, that we won't struggle with sin, but now what happens is that we don't have to feel conquered by our sin anymore because the presence of Christ and what he's done and and the gift of his Holy Spirit, it gives us the guidance and the power that we need to overcome the temptation that we face. Jesus, not only did he conquer sin, but he conquered the result of sin, which is death. He conquered death. And now because of that, I don't have to be afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. Are you afraid to die? No, no, let me walk that back. I'm afraid of the pain that might come from dying. (laughs) But actual death. And what happens? I'm not afraid of that. Why is that? Because I've known Jesus since I was a child. I was baptized just like Riley, growing up in the church. And then when I became old enough, what we do in the Methodist church is that we have confirmation where we take those children that were baptized and we allow them to be confirmed in the faith and we teach them what faith is and salvation in Jesus Christ and the gift of grace and then they have a chance to be confirmed on this stage and little Riley will have that chance and one day he will accept that baptism that was done for him and proclaim his faith in Jesus Christ. And I went through all that and I've always felt the presence of God Jesus is my best friend, and I I know where I'm going. And I know that when Jesus says, it is finished, what it means is that he has shattered that grip of sin and the power of death, and he has put an end to Satan. You know what, Satan? Satan wants us to fear death because he wants us to question whether or not our eternity with God is even real. And when Jesus hung on that cross, I have to imagine, I guarantee you, Satan walked around for three days thinking that he had won, that somehow he had managed to defeat God Almighty. But on the third day, on Easter morning, Satan had to stop celebration because the stone had been rolled away, that the cloths that were used to cover Jesus were now neatly folded on the side because Jesus wasn't there. He was risen, and I guarantee you there was a moment on Easter morning where Satan probably looked like a child does when they get in trouble, and he probably looked up and said, "Uh uh-oh, because he knew that it was done. He knew that he had been defeated. He knew the power of death and sin, shame, all of it is gone. So when Jesus, as you're, as you're going through your week this week, when you're thinking about Easter Sunday, think about those final words that Jesus spoke on the cross when he said, it 
is finished. Because in that moment, all the prophecy, all the penalty, the law, sin, death, Satan, all of it is wrapped up in this statement of victory. You see, all that God needed to get done, Jesus Christ accomplished. Jesus finished the job. So thinking about that, here's how I want to leave things this morning. Jesus is the only perfect person that ever lived, right? I think we can all agree on that, yes. He's the only one that I think could look back over his life and look at everything that was done, everything that God wanted him to do. He could look back over his life and say, it is finished and give that statement of victory and know that everything that God had wanted him to do, he had accomplished. But you and me, I think we still have a lot left to do. Chances are, we still got a lot left on our plate. If we were in our last moments and we were to look back over our life, I think that most of us would probably say there's still some things we need to do for God. There's still some things that we need to accomplish. There's still some unfinished business. We're not finished. And and here's the deal. I want us to finish well. Like I, I want us to look back on our life one day and proclaim words of victory. Wouldn't that be great? So let let me give you something to think about when it comes to finishing well. Jesus finished well. Jesus gave this statement of victory. I want us to finish well too. So when it comes to that unfinished business that you have with God, number one, commit that area to God. Whatever that is, maybe be willing to say, this area of my life, I'm not finished in this area, and I'm going to commit today to finishing strong. Maybe there's a decision that you need to make today, and you need to have a moment with God. And here's what I would say. When it comes to that, and you know what it is. You know what God's laid on your heart. You know what that next step needs to be. So here's what I would say is stop being indecisive. Stop being so distracted. Stop putting it off and commit. Commit to God. Make a difference. Maybe we need to spend more time in prayer with our family. Or or do you need to commit to sharing your faith with somebody that you know? Maybe even a family member. Do you need to commit to your boyfriend or girlfriend and glorify God with your relationship? Do you need to commit to ending a temptation that is just ruining your life and pulling you further away from God and his glory? Maybe today, whatever that area is, you look at it and you say, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. But I'm committed to finishing well. And I'm going to commit this area to God. And then the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to implement. We commit it and then we execute. And one way we do that, whatever that area is in your life that you need to finish well, we do it one step at a time. So what's that area that you need to commit to God and what's the next step you can take? One step at a time. How many of y'all remember that movie, What About Bob? Do y'all know that movie? Anybody seen that movie? No? Nobody? Just me. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to use it anyway. This guy, he goes, he goes to get some help with counseling. And he reads a book. And basically, it's just taking baby steps. Take baby steps. And so he would take the book, and he would take baby steps to the door. Baby steps down the hall. Baby steps in the right direction. Listen, if God is calling you to finish something, to commit to something for him. Take a step in that direction. What does that next step look like for you? So to close us out, 
Jesus gave this great cry of victory when he said, it is finished. And I hope we realize today that Jesus has given us an amazing victory, but he's not done with us yet. He's not done with you yet. We're not finished. And I'm sure that there are still great things that need to be accomplished for God in his glory. Let's pray together. God, Jesus, we thank you so much for the victory that came through your death and resurrection. God, and we thank you for what it means, God, that you were the fulfillment. That Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan, the the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And by his death and resurrection, God, that you had defeated the power of Satan and sin. And the grip that it has on us forever. God, and in this moment, when we hear these words of victory, it is finished. We realize, God, that even though Jesus finished his business on earth for you and your purpose, God, that we still have unfinished business, God. That we still have so much more we need to do for you. So, God, would you empower us through the presence of your Holy Spirit to complete those great things that you have in store for us. And, God, I pray for anybody that's in here this morning or maybe that is worshiping with us online that has never accepted you before in your lives. God, I just pray that they would understand the power that comes from that statement, it is finished, and what it means for us. And God, I pray that you would touch them. God, that they would invite you into into their life, God, so that they can no longer be held by sin and death. They would know the power that you give to each and every person. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your words of victory. We thank you for being with us and loving us like you do. Be with us as we leave this morning. And God, help each and every person, I pray, that we would take a step towards that unfinished business. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.